dear Heavenly Father, God, I just, I just love you so much this morning, and um, God, I, I need you. I, I need you, and, and we need you. And I, I really believe that you have, you have something for your people this morning, and I pray that, uh, that you just get me out of the way and you just speak. You speak clearly and help my thoughts and help my words and let people just take hold and, and really take root of what you're trying to say that, that, so that we can um, become better equipped people. We can grow closer to you. We, we can... Um, God, overcome the obstructions that we have in our life, and we could just uh, move forward and continue to grow. And I just, I just pray a special blessing over each and every person under the sound of my voice right now, whether they're online or in this building, and every family that's represented. God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity, and we give this entire message, this entire service to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm, I'm, I'm extremely pumped. I was telling Justin this morning, I was telling Clay last night, he was checking in on me. I have this, like... We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, right? And, and there's this like giddiness I feel about this subject. And this is something that's kind of been on my heart for honestly about a year now. So I'm getting ready to turn 31 in August. And, and last year about this time, 30, it was one of those birthdays that like hit me. You know what I mean? Like most of the time you have a birthday, it's like, do you feel older? Like, no, not really. Well, I kind of felt that, but not in a negative way. But when I turned 30, I, I kind of took on this. Uh, it was like the Lord really just kind of pulled me back for a little bit. And, and, and said, and, and really wanted me to reflect on my life and kind of where I stood and where I was and where God had brought me from and, and where I was in my family, how I was as a husband, how I was as a father, what I was doing in my career, like my hobbies, my passions, what I'm doing at the church. Like everything like has been this big reflection and this kind of uh, idea and thought of, of, of where I am now. And then also uh, receiving clear vision about where I wanted to be in the future. And really that's what we're going to be talking about this morning is that kind of transition process. And there's a wonderful story in the Bible. It's, it's a very common story. I'm sure you know of it. It's about David and Goliath. Um, my title this morning is called Over, Overcoming Obstructions. Now, now this, if this was a YouTube video, this, this would be like my clickbait title. That's, that's David holding a severed head there, so it's like some foreshadowing of, of in case you don't know what happens in this story, this, is, this will give you a good, good idea. But this is a little tough, right? Like, when you see this image, it's not, I don't know if you know this, but in the Bible, there's some wild stories, like some crazy stuff that happens, and this is one of them. And I think there's a whole lot of lessons that can be learned from this story, and there's multiple ways that I've heard this story taught and preached upon, and I'm just going to tackle it in one certain way. Um, but I want to give you a little bit of background leading into this story. This comes from the first uh, book of Samuel, chapter 17. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to that and you can get out your notepad and your pen. There's lots of great points and stuff the Lord's going to give you this morning. We're going to be reading essentially the first 50 verses, so we got a lot of Bible. That's good, praise God. Um, so let's, uh, let's, let's get right into it with some background. Um, so here we are... <laughs> I think I've shared this literally every time I've spoken, but in, in the history of the Bible and Israel in particular, Israel was God's chosen people. And for whatever reason, God really likes to use this kind of method of, of using a few and kind of having a little and causing it to spread worldwide. Even like with the fish and the, the loaves, he, he took the fish and the loaves and gave it to his disciples and then they, take, they took it and fed everybody else. And so Israel was that, is that, and so God's chosen people and they were called to be set apart, to be different, to reflect God's glory, to reflect God's goodness to all the world. And here in this particular um, portion of the Bible, they were not doing that. They had fallen, they had become corrupt and immoral. 
And when that happened throughout the Old Testament, there was these fellows named, they were judges, and this guy, his name is Samuel, and they were essentially, they, they stepped into a mess and said, hey, we need to come back to God. Let's rally back up to God. And, and in this particular story, we're in the middle of this battle between Israel and the Philistines, and, and, and it's not going great at this point. So let's jump right into 1 Samuel, the first 11 verses. And I'm going to butcher some of these names, so just, just bear with me. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle, and they were at Sokoah, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sokoah and Ezekiah in Ephes Demim. Praise God, we got that verse out of there. <laughs> and, so, and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in the battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. That's nine foot, nine inches tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, which is about a hundred and... I've got it in my notes. 126 pounds. That's heavy. It's real heavy. And he had a bronze armor, had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, which is about 16 pounds, and a shield bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, we, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So here's, the, here's this setting of Israel on one side, Philistines on another, and there's Goliath in the middle, and he's issuing this battle cry. Now, the word, uh, the word champion literally means middleman. And, and in fact, in days of battle, uh, so to speak, what that represented was essentially one, it was one battle that could take place that would decide the outcome of the battle uh, the, rather than like, you know, everybody fighting each other, it was like one person from, and, from one side and one person from the other. So imagine I have this army and, and Jesse back here has his army. He would pick the, the biggest and the baddest from his side. I would do the same on my side. Those two would fight and the winner, they won the whole thing. And so that's, that's where we are in this. Now I have this little, little demonstration. I'm, I got to put this down. There you go. I mostly just laugh this morning it's all good. so this is this is going to represent where where with the h i always get confused <laughs> can you believe they let me get up here and do this <laughs> where we are boom ain't that cute can you guys see that is that okay Here's another one. In my mind, this is like revolutionary. 
That's that's hilarious. So, so as you can see here, we have Israel. We have Israel here. We have the Philistines on on this side. They're trying. Israel's trying to overcome this battle. Now, I want to parallel this with with your life, um, because you're you're not technically in that battle like they were then. But you are. I want you to think about your life right now, and where you are. And then I want you to think about where you want to be. And, and let, me just, let me just say this too. If it's good to have, like Matt said, it's good to have vision, right? It's good to have goals and dreams. And one of the most unfortunate things about being a high school teacher is sometimes I encounter students who don't really have these things. And we see that, you know, maybe it's where we're, we're getting into that in a second. But for whatever reason, they're just kind of complacent. And so if you don't have this, like if you don't have vision and dreams and goals and aspirations and you feel like God's calling you to a certain place, I challenge you to kind of search your heart and your life and kind of think about this part. Now, this also can relate in multiple areas of your life. So think, of, like for me especially, like where am I at with my family? Like do me and my wife have goals? Do we have vision for one? Are we setting things up for our children? Where are we in that grand scheme of, of family and, and all that good stuff, and where do we want to be? Think about it as a community, as a church. City of Hope, where are we? And that's this Awaken Hope campaign, right? Where are we, and where do we want to be? Where do we want to go? And so that's what we're talking about. Now, in between these two things are these things called obstructions. I have a slide that's got a definition on it. Obstruction is to block or close up with an obstacle, make difficult to pass, to interrupt, hinder, or oppose the passage, progress, course, etc. So obstructions are part of life. We live in a broken, fallen world, and it's a fact that now and then for the rest of your life probably, you're going to have obstructions. Obstructions are not a bad thing. Let me just give you like a, a picture. Pretend I'm, like a, I'm, I'm a graduate of high school, Okay, and I have a goal of becoming a doctor. Some of the obstructions in my way, and you can throw that next slide up. Here's some specific examples. One is money. Maybe I'm, I don't have the money for med school. It's really hard. It's going to take a lot of time. Maybe I live in a single parent home and I have to work a job and take care of my family along with trying to manage school as well. Too young, too old, personality type. Man, I'm just not cut out for that. Whatever the case is, you fill in the blank. With anything we do in life, period, there's going to be obstructions. And again, these obstructions are okay. They're natural. They're going to happen. Here's when it becomes dangerous. The word excuses are reasons you give up, quit, or abandon your purpose, dreams, aspirations, and your calling. So go to the next slide suddenly those things become, it's like a stop sign, essentially. So I can't go to med school because I come from Clay County and no one ever makes that out of this town. I can't go to med school because I don't have the money or the resources. I can't go to med school because it's going to be hard. Like those are all things that are, are legitimate. I'm not negating the fact that they're real obstructions, they're challenges. I understand that. But if you let them become excuses... They will complete, you will never get from here to here if you make excuses. Amen? Can we, can we, can we agree on that? And, and, and I'm going to get fired up a little bit. I can already feel it. I'm you know, feeling passionate. 
don't take that as like aggression or like, be, I'm not mad at you, I promise. <laughs> like, like this is all this, I'm, I'm learning this stuff too. I'm just trying to make it as I go. Uh, so also, I still have paper notes. I need to get an iPad. Let's continue reading. Uh, 1 Samuel 17, 12 through 32. Now this is, a, this is a big portion of scripture. This is the largest section, so just bear with me. We're laying some groundwork, okay? Now, David was the son of that afraid, that word of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons, and the man was old, advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of the three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn next to him, Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself forty days, morning and evening. Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp, and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand, and see how your brothers fare, and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they... And all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. David arose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came up to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battles. For Israel and the Philistine had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army and came, back, came and greeted his brothers then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words, so David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in these, this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? So he's mocking him, right? I know your pride and your insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. Whew. Big section. I'm sorry. I, I wanted to read that, though. I wanted to get that, that down to kind of paint this picture. Here you have David is the youngest, and he's going in between. Uh, if you back up to chapter 16, Saul, the king, is a psychopath. Like the, the Spirit of the Lord has left him, and he's like tormented by evil. And Saul just plays music for him to calm him down. And in between that, he's also going back to his father's house to tend to his sheep. And so he's got that going on. And then one day, so his older brothers are out to battle. His dad's like, hey, go check on your brothers. Take them some food. Let me know how things are going. And when he's down there, he hears Goliath issuing this like, like you know, hey, come fight. 
And David's like, I can just imagine, like, you're just, we're talking, and, like, he comes up, and he's like, who is this guy? Did anybody else hear him? He's, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? And so there's this, what I thought about when I read this is what separated David? Like, why did everybody else have this mindset of being dreadfully afraid And then David steps into the picture and his response to that whole situation, despite the giant, can you imagine a nine, almost 10 foot tall guy with 126 pounds of armor coming out saying, let's go, bro? I mean, and David like, you know, he's probably probably looks, I'd say almost like Eli, you know, kind of young, good looking, strong, you know, but but he's still young and kind of small and I'm just kidding. It's a joke. But his, his demeanor is completely different, right? His, his response towards that opposition, towards the obstruction, was completely different. So, so real quickly, I want just to, just to talk about what separated David. And so there was, there was a lot of things, but he was the big thing that I want to hit on, he was a true worshiper. God was with him. And he had a broken and contrite heart. He had a repentant heart. One of the most, it's so sad to see, but what happens to us when we are, whether we're living in sin or doing things we know we shouldn't be doing or we have this like heaviness about us or bad things have happened to us, when we have shame and when we have kind of this brokenness, what, what we want to do is retreat. And we're going we're gonna to get into some science about this actually in a minute. But we want to retreat and kind of run away from that But when we should do, immediately when things come against us, whether it's a problem from the outside that we can't control or we fall into some type of sin, because that's, listen, we're human beings. We're going to to mess up. We need to come straight back to God and not live in this constant separation, right? And I think because David was so on fire after God, despite obstructions, despite failures, he he was broken before God, he was seeking God. And so his mindset was completely different in this particular case. So let's read real quick verses 33 through 37. First, we'll get to that second. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth and he is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep and when a lion and a bear came out and took a lamb out of the flock, I went down after it and struck it and delivered it, the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. This is amazing. I mean, do you hear what what I'm saying right now? This guy ran out of line and grabbed it by the mane and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear... He would deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And so David begins to bring up his history. And point number one that I have for you is your history determines how you handle obstructions. Now there's a little parenthesis that says the reflect. And these points are going to build on each other. And for this point, what I want you to do is simply reflect. Primarily, on your history. 
Now, there's things in our lives that we, we can't control, and we all come from different backgrounds, and we have different things that have happened to us or we've chose to do that affect us in some type of way. And they're going, when we start here, those things are going to present themselves and potentially be a real problem when you try to move forward. Are you guys with me? Is everybody following me? So I want to talk about lobsters for just a second. I've been reading this book. I, I, yeah, I've been trying to read more books this year. It's really hard for me to do. But I've been reading this book uh, by this fellow named Jordan Peterson. He's not a Christian, but he's, he's, I feel like he's close. You know, it's like he's, trying, like he's almost there. He's an incredibly intelligent human being. He's a psychologist. And, and in this book, it's called 12 Rules for Life, and he's making these points uh, and so forth and so on. And in this chapter, the first chapter, it's talking about essentially your posture and kind of standing up tall. Um, when he talks about, I kind of, you know, picture Conor McGregor, you know, walking into the ring with his like, you know, like the whole posture up type of mentality. So lobsters, uh, in case you were wondering, uh, are unique. Just like m many species, they kind of, you know, they, they search for mates and for, you know, breeding rights and for, for space and territory and food and all those things. And naturally, when they're in the ocean and going around, they often run into conflict and they run into battles. And there's these phases that lobsters go through when they enter into battle. And, and we'll discuss those briefly in a second. But essentially, here's the point that I want to make. When a lobster, depending on whether they lose or whether they win, it completely shapes th their history. If a lobster loses so bad, their brain essentially literally dissolves and reformulates and it takes like a new posture of defeat. And so that every battle henceforth in its life, it's, it's, it's not going to be great for it. Versus the, the victorious fella is the complete opposite. And it's even, it's, there's even this like chemical thing, and I promise this is going somewhere, so just bear with me. There's these chemicals, serotonin and octopamine or something like that. Um, in the victorious, the serotonin goes up, the other goes down, and in, in the losers, the, the serotonin goes down and, and the other one goes up. And, and, and it's, it's interesting because even with depressed human beings who are prescribed medications, guess what those medications try to do? They try to change the ratio of serotonin in a person's body to kind of give it that new posture. In the lobster who's victorious, that, that ratio of serotonin actually, it, it controls its postural flexion as it's called. And it, and it causes the lobster to literally be kind of puffed out and walk around tall. So in that first phase of battle, it can like look the part, you know what I'm saying? And, and on the other side, there's, there's the other imbalance, and that causes lobster, it's called a tail reflex. And if you've seen like shows or whatever, you know that their, their tail kind of curls under when they, they, they kind of scoot backwards, you know, like crawdads in the creek or whatever. That's that. And so it's, it takes less to trigger that reflex in a lobster after it's been defeated. Think about maybe a soldier who's come back from battle or anybody, a child or anybody who's suffered abuse, who suffers with PTSD. That kind of, there, there's small things that can kind of trigger them, right? They kind of, that, that reflex, it kind of, and that's what happens to us. When we face defeat in life, when we go through something hard, maybe we don't get the job that we were wanting to get, maybe we're diagnosed with a sickness or disease or we lose someone or whatever the case may be in your own personal life, 
when we suffer that defeat, it, it's almost like our, even neurologically, things can get out of line and we're, we're quick to like be here. And just like Israel, we see that obstruction. It's like, oh, nope, not going there. I've had my tail whooped before. I'm not getting it whooped again. You see what I'm saying? You guys follow me? And so there's good news, and he even brings this up in the book. We can, we can change, and with God, that's the beauty of it, right? All throughout Scripture, you see God taking broken people. Matter of fact, David was one of them, right? Broken people and reshaping their lives and using that history, using the pain, using the brokenness, using the defeat actually for his good, right? So for me, when I've, I've shared this before, but when I was 17, I was diagnosed with Crohn's, and that was a defeat for me. You're talking about a 17-year-old who had his whole life in front of him, had goals and aspirations and all these things, and all of a sudden you're told one day that you got a disease, it's not going to wait, it's going to kill you one day. Like, that's tough. Like, it shaped my, like I lived in a mentality of defeat for a while, and through Jesus, I was able to kind of come through that. Right? And I'm here to tell you this morning, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what defeat that you faced before, you do not have to live defeated. Through Jesus, you can take on a new posture of victory. So that when obstructions come, the tail flick doesn't kick in, but you actually stand tall. And you can face it head on. And that's what... David does here, right? He begins to bring up his history. He knew because of what he had been through against the lion and the bear and what God had brought him through before in the past, that that same God who was there then was also going to lead him into the future, right? And, and we have examples of this. Listen, now I'll stand up real quick. This is my beautiful grandmother. A few months ago, she, uh, they found a mast outside her bladder. and That's scary, right, when you hear that news. And, and so they set up a, a thing. They were going to go to the doctor. She had the appointment. She went to the doctor. They looked at it on the scan. She went to a specialist. They looked at it said, yeah, it's definitely got to get out of there. They went the morning of the surgery. And as they were going in there to literally remove it, guess what they couldn't find? Don't tell me <laughs> that God can't do it. Amen. I got, like I was saying, I, I got Crohn's disease and I'm still battling that to this day. Josh Maxey's dad was healed from Crohn's disease some years back on May the 8th, right? He was telling me about it. Don't tell me God's still not Raise your hand if you've ever had God show up in your life. Maybe it's, look, look just stop, hold your hand up high, real high, and look around for a minute. Look at the history we have in this church of knowing that we serve a God who shows up. And listen, I wish I could tell you that every story ended well, but it doesn't, right? We live in a broken world, and to be honest with you, can I just be real with you guys? There's things that I struggle with, and there's things that I don't quite understand. Healing in particular is one of them. My wife, when she was 17, lost both her parents 13 months apart to cancer. We prayed for their healing. It didn't come in the way that we expected it to. And since then, to be honest with you, praying for healing, like even like I can pray for somebody else and really believe it. But like for my own life, sometimes I'm like, like a God, I know you can, but, but will you? Like, is, is am I going to see it? I'm just being real, y'all. I wish that sometimes, you know, I wish we had the answers to all these things, but, but we, we don't. But just because it doesn't happen sometimes, 
That doesn't mean we throw it out completely. We still live in the here and now and we're still moving forward in this life and we still want to get to places and there's obstructions. And listen, what I'm telling you right now, if you guys, if me, I shouldn't say you guys, me, this is, I'm learning it too. If we do not put into place these things, we will never get here. It's impossible. So reflect on this. Reflect on your history. Reflect on, you know, the things that maybe you struggle with. Maybe the things that, that you're living in, if you've gone through, that maybe it, there is some defeat there that you carry. And then give that to God. Invite Him into healing. I don't know if, I mean, you guys know my wife, but she, she's the most joyous human being. Well, I know a side of her that you guys don't. Uh, uh, but typically, she's like this ball of joy. And given what she's gone through, it's incredible. It's incredible. So God can take a very negative situation and bring about strength and bring about good. So invite him into those things. And then also make sure that you write down the victories. Listen, a lot of people, when, when Mamaw shared that, a lot of people could say, well, man, them doctors must have messed up. I don't think they messed up. I think God healed her, period. Amen? I think that's what happened. When, when God shows up and something happens, write it down. Remember it. There was one night I was at home, and I, was, I had like a little flare-up, and I was hurting and Everett come in, uh, and, him and him and Mommy, and they came in, and Everett prayed a little prayer for me. And I promise you, it was gone. And I made sure to tell him, your prayer worked. Because I want him to grow up knowing there's victory. There's victory, guys. God shows up, even when we don't understand it, even when it's hard. So reflect on this. Like in the parentheses of this point, reflect on where you are with this. The, the, again, the kind of the hurts and the victories, and invite God into those things. Amen? Amen. i got to get an iPad. I want to share this quote for, uh, with you from this book. I think, it, I think it's a pretty good quote. So, so this is from Jordan Peterson in that book I was telling you about. It says, Standing up means voluntarily accepting the burden of being. Your nervous system responds in an entirely different manner when you face the demands of life voluntarily. You respond to a challenge instead of bracing for catastrophe. You see the gold the dragon hoards instead of shrinking in terror from the all-too-real fact of the dragon, or in our case, the giant. You step forward and take your place in the dominance hierarchy and occupy your territory, manifesting your willingness to defend, expand, and transform it. To stand up with your shoulders back is to accept the terrible responsibility of life with eyes wide open. It means deciding to voluntarily transform the chaos of potential into the realities of habitable order. It means willingly undertaking the sacrifices necessary to gener generate a productive and meaningful reality. It means acting to please God. He even said that in his book. And so when we're here, even though we face defeat, when we can take on a new mentality and say, okay, God, you got this. We give him these things. We begin, to, we'll talk about building a new history here in just a second. But when we can take on that and rather than like, you know, tail flick going backwards and kind of bracing for the impact, when we respond with our eyes forward and we meet it versus just kind of, and like looking at the, the ex, looking at the good like the, the, imagine the dragon and the gold. Looking at the gold rather than the dragon. That's the difference here. And honestly, that's what David did. David saw the giant 
And he compared the giant to his God. Um, there's no comparison. Everybody else looked at the giant and they saw the giant and they compared it to the realities of themselves. And that's, you know, in and amongst ourselves, left to ourselves, we're not that strong. But with God, we're empowered and we're equipped. You guys with me? We good? All right. We're going we're gonna to stick around verses uh, 33 and 37. Go back to verse 33 there, if you don't mind. It says, And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. You are, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And, and so from the beginning here, Saul doubted David. Let me, let me, let me t- make something very clear to you guys. Don't let anyone ever tell you you can't do something receive that this morning hear that this morning listen we come from a place where it's listen i grew up in clay county a lot of us did and and this region in general there's like this mentality of again we see these obstructions we make excuses like oh i can't do this I'm, i'm from this family i come from a broken home i've been through this and you know, I'm just not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. I don't. We we constantly make these excuses, and, and then people pour into that too, right? Just like Saul did to David. You can't do that. You guys are in Clay County. That church isn't going to do anything. Don't tell me what God can do. Amen. I'm getting ready to jump off the stage. <laughs> getting fired up. <laughs> Amen. Don't let people define your potential. Hold on to that this morning. David, let's see how David responds when he's met with his, you know, because constantly this whole story's been made fun of, right? His brother, he's like, those few little sheep, what'd you do with them? You know, and then David's like, or Saul's like, you know, you're just youth, he's a giant, it's never going to happen. How's he respond? But David said to Saul, again, he brings up his history. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep and a lion and a bear came out and took a lamb out of the flock. I went out after it and struck it and delivered it from the lamb, delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. And so he brings up his history to Saul. Now, I want to I talk about the word lion and bear real quick. Now, this is an interesting part of the story. I can't imagine like being in a place where there's lions and bears coming after you and he's like grabbing them and killing them. Like, that's wild. For us, that probably may never happen. There's a few of us who decide to go to Colorado and other places and like do some elk hunting and it may be a very real reality for us one of these days. But like, for the most part, you're probably not gonna have to capture a lion by the beard and kill it. But these words have some interesting meanings that I think we can learn from. So the word lion, what's a pack of lions called? A pride. Do you guys know what a pack of bears is called? Does anybody know this? I learned it from Clay. I took this from him. They're called a sloth. Isn't this? That's, that, I never expected that. They're called a sloth. So let's talk about those meanings real quick. The line here, I think there's a slot. Yep. The line represents pride. And I'm not talking about a good pride. It's okay. Like I'm proud of my children. That's, that's a good pride. I'm talking about arrogance, self-centeredness, unwillingness to receive help, relying on oneself. I hear this all the time. There's a lot of people, even people in my family you talk to, and it's like, 
You know, I just have some things going on, and, and, and when I straighten up, right, when I get my life in order, then I'll, you know, maybe come to church or, or whatever. And they constantly depend on their own strength, and it never is going to get you anywhere. It leads to constant defeat. And listen, I can speak from this because I've lived it. I tried myself. When I was coming up through high school and, and the first of college, I tried doing things on my own. And then I was smacked in the face with the reality and disease and everything else. And I realized very quickly that I could not do it on my own. I had no purpose. I had no meaning. I had no healing. I had no direction. I had none of this. This was non-existent. It's like I was on this side and I was staring backwards. Helpless. And then there's the bear, which reluctance to work or make an effort. Laziness. This... this the, the next little section of the message is, it's going to be, be a little heavy, but again, this is out, we're just working through it together. If you go to the next slide, to find victory, you are going to have to put to death your pride and your laziness. And I'm not talking about a works-based righteousness where you've got to do things to get closer to God. You know, Jesus paid the price on the cross, our belief in Him, that's, that's it, that seals the deal. But, we live in a reality now, and I don't know about you, but I believe that God wants good things for His people, for His children, right? And I'm not talking about fancy cars and new houses and a lot of money, but I think He wants us to live in victory. I think He has vision for us and a purpose and a goal, and He wants us to get us to places, and we have to be able to work for it. we got to put into practice some disciplines that's going to get us to the next level. So we got to humble ourselves, every one of us, and then we got to be able to get off the couch, put the remote down and kind of work a little bit, wake up early and read her Bible and pray on occasion or something like that. And so point number two, David, it's interesting, David brings up the history, that was the reflect part, and, and so you have your history, you can't change your history at this point, like everything that's happened has happened, so let it go. What can we do now to begin developing a new history and a new foundation in which one of these days we can look back and we can call upon that to help equip us for the future. What you choose to do in private will either prepare you or prevent you from walking in your purpose. I'm proud of the way I use those P's in that point. It's the little victories. This is the responsibility part. This is, this is where we have to act. What you're doing right now in private when no one is looking, that's your, your, what's your character, right? So what are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you watching? How are you treating your family? Who are you when no one else is looking? Listen, guys, I get it. This is uncomfortable. And the answers that I have to some of these questions, I don't like them for me. And if we're all honest with ourselves, I'm sure there's some areas where we want to improve upon. This is, listen, this is not a word of condemnation whatsoever. I'm not here to make you feel bad or to like tear you down. It's the opposite. I think God is wanting to lift you up. But the reality is we have to think about these things because what we're doing in private, it, it's either going to get us there or it's going to prevent us from getting there. It's important. It's important that I pray with my kids that I read Scripture, that I serve, that I tackle my responsibilities in life with 
with dignity and with integrity. That I allow God to equip me in these areas. That's important. Those things you're doing in private, they matter. What if every single person in here was like David and we were slaughtering lions and bears in our free time or in our, in our private time? Imagine where we could be corporately when these big things come against us. You guys tracking with me? You guys following? We good? So what, what we do matters. What you do in the private matters. And, I, and I, again, I just challenge you to, to reflect on that. Think about it. And then, and then let God, just like David, remember, don't be defeated. by Don't let the tail flick kick in. Oh, he called something out. Don't let that kick in. Have a broken, contrite heart. Let's all repent before God and turn back to Him. And let's start today building a firm foundation. Amen? These seemingly small things, for example, like reading your Bible and praying every day and being a good husband and father and mother and co-worker and all those good things, sometimes they can seem small, right? But if we're not faithful, let's read Luke 16.10. says this, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful in much, also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. If we can't be faithful in the small things, how can ever God entrust us to go against the big things? Amen? All righty. Let's continue. Samuel 17, verses 38 through 40. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head and also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and he put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Now, what I want to discuss here real quick is, uh, let me get my notes in order real fast. Is two points. Saul here and his armor represents your own strength. If you remember, he was chosen to be king simply because of his, he looked the part and it ended up failing miserably. When we try to carry this stuff on our own, listen guys, we've talked about some deep stuff today, right? Talking about your history and struggles and defeats. Now that can be heavy. When we try to carry these things in life on our own, it's extremely hard and we can't do it. We cannot carry our own Strength, we have to lay it down. And there's something extremely freeing when we choose to lay it down, right? When we, when we give up. It's like, God, I can't, I can't control this. I'm giving this to you. We put it in his hands. And then number two, take up your own sling and wear your own armor. Let me, let me make this point, and I, I, I want you guys to get a hold of this. Stick with me. You are your own person, and the world needs you and what you have to offer. Every one of us, one of you, you have your own giftings, you have your own talents, you have your own passions, your own dreams, and they're important. And listen, I'm not talking about natural God-given things because sometimes when we sit here and we look up and we see, for example, the musicians singing and playing or Clay preaching or these things, it's almost like they have this God-given talent that they never had to work for and it's just what they're gifted with. I'm t let, me, let me just share this with you. Like, for example, playing guitar. I'm the, mo I'm the world's most average guitar player. I didn't wake up one day and just like, I could play the guitar. 
Like I started taking lessons when I was uh, like, a, like 10, 11 years old on a little electric guitar and I learned some basic chords and I just kept after it. And now I can, you know, hold a pretty good beat and use a capo when Craig shows me where to put it, right? <laughs> like, like I can do that. Matt here, I started playing music uh, with Matt in 2012, 2013, that time frame, and I saw him work his tail off improving his playing and his singing. Every musician you see up here, I guarantee they didn't just wake up one day and they could play and they could sing. They all have to work towards their craft. When I was in college, I just, well, but even before that, I was always obsessed with movies, like loved them. I'd take on the row. Like if I was watching Power Rangers, I had to have the costume on. Like it's kind of like my, it's like my son right now. They go straight, they go straight, and it's the costume comes on. It's you know it's what it is. But then all of a sudden I discovered YouTube and vlogging and cameras, and I fell in love with it. And I have worked since I was about 18 at trying to like hone that craft. And now I get to do cool things and film hunts and, and work and do video with the church and everything else. But I'm t I've worked at it, right? Like I didn't just wake up and it was natural. Like we all have to, you have your own passions. What are you passionate about? And then how can you use that to glorify God? How can you use that for His good, right? And sometimes we have to work to it. Sometimes, like the only thing that really that I have is like natural is kind of my personality. Like I just, I'm naturally just kind of like a moron. <laughs> I'm like naturally just goofy all the time. And like, I'm, it's easy for me to be optimistic because it's just kind of the way I'm wired. That does come natural. Some pe other people, you're that way too. And some maybe not. And it's okay. But for the most part, I'm, what I'm talking about, your sling, your stone, your giftings, your passions, your talents, use them. Amen. First Samuel 17, 41 through 48. We're, we're nearing the end here, okay? So just bear with me. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. Again, kind of like Eli, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will... This is, this is intense. Listen, this, this is wild here. Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And then David... So you, picture yourself as David. You're standing here before Jot with a sling and a stone and him looking like he looks, and he says that to you. I'm about to feed your flesh to the birds of the air. This is wild. And what's David's response? Again, constantly. Everybody puts him down. What's he come back with? And then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. So David's like, you come, it to, me, you come to me with your weapons. I come to you in the name of the Lord. And the, and the Lord's going to give me your head and the carcasses 
that are left behind, the birds of the air and the, and the wild beasts are going to feed upon. He comes to him with such boldness. It's amazing. And here's my point with this. We need to declare victory over the battle before it even begins. You see what happened here? There's this metal band that I listen to called Sleeping Giant. They're amazing. And they talk about in this song about how David did this, how he declared victory over the battle. I mean, this fires me. I'm ready to like jump through a wall right now. When you're presented with obstructions in life, declare victory over it before it ever begins. Let them know who the God is that you serve. Remind them of your history. Remind them of the God that showed up in other times in your life when you faced other obstructions and other battles. Remind the enemy of those things. And so that's what David does. And point number three, so the first point was kind of the reflection, like thinking about your life, thinking about your past history. The second point was, was things we need to put into practice, right? You guys with me? You're tracking the, your responsibility. Now this, if you do those things, this is the result. The result is character. When you have character, that builds confidence. And when you have confidence, that enables you to rise to the challenge. When David was standing there, he brought up his history. What he was doing in private began laying a foundation for him. He had character, he had courage, and that equipped him to take action. So when we're here, we're thinking about these things, we have whatever, I mean, you guys think about your life and what obstructions that you have personally right now. Whatever's in front of you, when you put into practice these things we've been talking about, the lessons that David and the Lord is teaching us, we develop character. And so that when we face these things, we can declare to it, God is on my side, God is for me, God is with me, He's going to equip me, and then you can take action boldly with confidence. Let's keep going here. We can come to the music if we want to. I forgot to tell Craig when to come up here. Sorry, Craig. Thank you guys for hanging with me. I know this has been kind of lengthy. Is the Lord speaking to anybody right now? You guys get anything from this? I know I am. Let's finish up right here. Verses 47 through 50. Actually, it's 47 through like 51, I think. And then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear. He's talking to the giant. For the battle is the Lord's and He will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David. And David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. And he goes on to actually, I, don't, I, I may have missed that in the slides. I, I thought I put it in, but I didn't. But he goes on in the next verse and he basically goes and gets Goliath's sword and cuts its head off. And he was victorious over the giant. David's victory is God's victory. And in our life, God wants the same for us. And my last point for you, and this is what I want you to remember. Again, 
I want you to reflect. I want you to take some responsibility. I want to remind you what the result of that responsibility would look like. And then I never want you to forget this part. The battle is the Lord's. We are not alone. You are not alone. Listen, man, I've been there. I've been defeated. I've been knocked down. I've been overall blessed in my life, and I'm not standing here trying to complain. Don't take it as that. But each and every one of us, we have our own stories, right? And there's times where life is just heavy. It gets rough. It's hard. There's things that happen we don't understand. But I want want you to know, and the Lord wants you to know this morning, that you are not alone. You don't have to face these things alone. I can't stand up here and debate and argue and go backwards and forth about God and His existence and why bad things happen and, and all that stuff. But what I can tell you is what I've experienced personally in my life. And I was a teenager who had no purpose, who was addicted to drugs and alcohol, who was going down all the wrong roads, following in the footsteps of lots of people before me. And when I chose... Jesus, I promise you, if you could see my life then versus now, and I say this almost every time I speak because it's my testimony and it's, it's, it's just real, man. God changed my life. I have a family, a beautiful wife and, t- and two kids. And I don't have to worry about the struggles that those, my, my family before me, my grandparents and my, my parents and all the struggles that they dealt with, because of Jesus, He's brought me out of those things. And I have confidence in Him. And even though I'm battling Crohn's, and I'm, I'm, I'm expecting healing completely. Jesus is, man, He loves you this morning. If you've never been told that, there's a God in heaven who loves you. And He's for you. Hebrews 13, 20. And 21 says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, I just want to remind you that God is for you. He's with you. He's going to equip you and He's going to empower you. You don't have to face this life alone. Think about where you are. Think about where you want to be. Think about everything in between. And I promise you, if you invite Jesus into those past hurts, if you begin doing in private good things, it's going to strengthen your character. It's going to give you courage. It's going to launch you into a place where you can face those, those battles. And through Jesus, you can become victorious. Will you guys all stand with me and, and pray? we've talked about a lot of things this morning. I want to give you guys a, a chance to respond. We've, uh, we, we've dove into a lot of different topics and 
brought up history and brought about some defeats maybe that you've experienced. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus and you're, you have questions about that or you want to pray with somebody or you're going through a tough time right now or, or whatever. we got a prayer team that's going to be up front here. And if, if you want to, when we start praying, you're, these altars are open. I think all of us can, we need to get to a place where we're giving these things to God. And so I just invite you to come. But let's pray into these things. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just love you so much. And again, God, we've talked about some heavy things today. And, and I really believe with all my heart that you're here, that your spirit's in this place, that you want to love on people, you want to encourage people, you want to bless people. And, and, and life is tough sometimes. God, I believe that you want us to live victorious lives and, and, and you want us to live in freedom in the here and the now. And God, we all face obstructions. We all face battles. We all face things in life that, that seem like giants. But through you, God, the battle is yours. I just pray that we can all give these things to you. God, I just invite you into every heart right now. I invite you into those, those hurts that you would heal this morning, that you would deliver, that you would set free, that you would you would give peace where there needs to be peace and joy where there needs to be joy. And God, I just rebuke the enemy who may be trying to attack the minds and hearts of people in this place, God. Again, we just give those things to you, Father. Help us to become people who are courageous, who have character, who, God, do in private what we need to do to, to build ourselves up, to grow closer to you to be better husbands and fathers and mothers and daughters, better co-workers, better people. God, let us continue just to grow closer to you. This is all about you. This is not about us. Bring us into your purpose, God. Bring us, give us your vision. Give us your goals. Help us, equip us. In Jesus' name, God, we love you. We thank you. We give it all to you. These altars are open this morning. If you want to pray, 